0: Well, good morning, Good Shepherd. I'm Talbot Davis, and I'm the pastor here. And uh, a lot of you are connecting live stream. A lot of you are connecting live and however you're connecting. I'm so glad to be able to uh, engage back with you. This is the third week in our series called He Is. And we've been looking at some of the things that Jesus said about Jesus. What did he say about himself? And a couple of weeks ago, if you weren't here, I'm so glad you're here today. But a couple of weeks ago, he he said, before Abraham was, I am. And then last week, he, he said, I am the light of the world. Actually, he didn't say it last week. He said it a long time ago. <laughs> we looked at it last week. I am the light of the world. Today, it's I am the good shepherd. And if you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you to locate John chapter 10, verses 11 and following, John chapter 10. And maybe your Bible looks like this, or maybe it's loaded on your phone. Go ahead and locate it. Either way, and if you don't have a Bible at all, the words are going to be up on the screen, John chapter 10. And and this whole series, as you're locating that, this whole series comes out of the conviction that you can't know who you are until you understand who he is. And out of that conviction that we have as a church, I want to tell you something that's not related necessarily to the message. Something I'm very uh, excited about, glad about, and that is that the Good Shepherd Christian School, which for years and years and years we've had a preschool, kind of the envy of the area, long waiting list. But starting this coming fall, we're expanding because we know parents want an option. And we know that a lot of parents want their children to grow up to realize they'll never, never know who they are until they understand who Jesus is. And so this year, our Good Shepherd Christian School uh, expands into a full day kindergarten and adding first grade. Our plan is to add a grade every year. And uh, we also know, yeah. We also know that a lot of you on behalf of your children or your grandchildren, or maybe you just need to redo yourself might be interested and so out in the lobby today, you'll see a table in the middle of the lobby with Good Shepherd Christian School and Jamie Howell, who's our director of schools. She will be there. So we, if after this message, not during, after the message, if you just really are interested more information, how can I get my kids part of this pretty phenomenal thing that's happening, that will be out, uh, out in the lobby, Good Shepherd Christian School, because you can't know who you are until you understand who he is. Speaking of which... That takes us to John chapter 10 and verses 11 and following. And as you locate that place in the scripture, or as you wait for it to come up on the screen, just a couple of things about the Bible that you may or may not know. Looks like a book, not a book. It's a library written by a lot of authors over a long span of time in many different writing styles. And throughout this series, we've been looking at the section of the library devoted to biography there's, there's one subject, Jesus, four biographies Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We've been zeroing in on John's unique tale of Jesus' life. And now, all that is just a fact that a lot of people don't know, not a book, is a library. And in this series, looking at that biography written by John. Then, then the other thing that we believe here moves to a treasured conviction that you may not share or you may still be investigating, or you may love that we say this. And we just like to be clear that in leadership, we believe that there's no other library like it on earth. God breathed his life into its words, and he put his truth onto its pages. We actually believe the Bible is inspired and eternal and true. And out of that conviction comes this custom that when we talk about the Bible together, we lift it up. And if you haven't been here before or tuned in before, and this just seems kind of odd to you, it is. Uh, uh, your, your, your suspicions are right. This is odd. But we've discovered this is a moment of oddity that shapes our identity as a community, that we're a collection of people who do not have life figured out, but we know who does, and we're glad to surrender to his authority as he's revealed it in his word. Amen? Amen. And so before any word, more words come out of my mouth, let's pray. God, you're good, and thank you for giving us this record of your goodness. The permanent record we have is the gospel of John. So before I share on it, I, I get to celebrate publicly that I am powerless without you, but glory be to God, because of you, I'm never helpless. So give me and all those within the sound of my voice, a fresh pouring out of your word and your spirit in Jesus name, amen. Amen. So uh, in this, this uh, series, he is, we, we've been looking at some of the things that Jesus says about himself. I am is the formula that he uses in the Gospel of John, and it's a way of really declaring I, I am God, because it's how God introduced himself to Moses. And, and we've looked a couple weeks ago before Abraham was, I am. Last week, I'm the light of the world. Next week, spoiler alert, I am the resurrection and the life. Can't imagine why I'm doing that, but... But today, out of all these I am's, this one is the most personal and maybe the most intimidating for me because, hello, it's the name of our church. I am the Good Shepherd. And and you may or may not know that the reason this church has this name is that the founding pastor, a man named Claude Kaler, back in 1990 when the church was just getting started. So this church is just over 30 years old. And in 1990, he went up to the parking lot of the Food Lion grocery store at the intersection of Sandy Porter Road and South Tryon Street. And if you're local, you may know where that is. If you're sort of local now, it's not just famous for the Food Lion. There is a Dunkin' Donuts and a Mac speed shop right there, world famous intersection. What you may not know is that back in 1990, that was the end of Charlotte. <laughs> Charlotte went no further south than that food line at Sandy Porter Road and South, I mean, South Tryon was a dirt road after that. And I and, and, uh, might exaggerate a little bit. So Claude went to that, Went, went to the parking lot and he surveyed the food line shoppers and he gave them a kind of a list of possible names for church that he was starting. And, and the names included things like uh, Sunrise and Crossroads. And as it turned out, Good Shepherd won in a landslide. And I don't know if food line shoppers in 1990 then, or or you now knew that that name Good Shepherd came directly from the pages of Scripture, but it it did, and it does, and it's been kind of interesting in the in the 24 years that I've been the pastor here. He he was here in the 90s, and I came in 1999, and at Nine o'clock, when I said 24 years, someone said amen, and a lot of people said, oh, that's why, and I knew it was, seemed like forever, and, <laughs> but during that time, on occasion, people have suggested to me like a name change for the church, and, and, and some have suggested like a geographic name change, change it to Steel Creek Methodist or Rivergate Church or that church just north of the Buster Boy Bridge. That, that has a good ring to it, doesn't it? And so they've suggested geographical names and, and others have said, maybe, maybe I'll just rename it something conceptual. Like, I don't know, levitation, <laughs> fermentation. Exasper- Some of you are getting it. Exasperation. Something like that. And, and, and on occasion, I've, been, I've wondered, man, maybe a name change is the key to unlocking a whole new era of greatness for this church. And because and I am the good shepherd. I mean, what's up with that anyway? We're not agrarian people. I don't, I don't see any shepherds out here. If Jesus had said, I am the app of the world... Or if he had said, I'm the operating system of the universe, now that might have made some sense. And and there's even a, a level at, at, at which the name could be almost insulting, because if he's the shepherd, that makes us sheep. Which means that we're subject to a herd mentality, that we're kind of defenseless, that we're not very smart, and that we smell really, really bad. You know, locomotion church is sounding better and better all the all the time. So So what is up with these words that Jesus says, I am the good shepherd? And like all of these I am sayings, this one does not come in a vacuum. Because throughout the gospel of John, particularly the sections that we're looking at, in chapters eight and a little bit of nine and chapter 10 and 11, Jesus is speaking at his adversaries, as much as he's speaking to his friends, he's, he's speaking at those who will ultimately crucify him, which means the, the religious elite, the spiritual leaders of ancient Jerusalem. And look at what he says in chapter 10, verse 11 of the gospel of John says this, Jesus talking about himself. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You may want to underline that or circle it because it's coming back. the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, honestly, accurately, in the ancient near East, the ancient Middle East, of which uh, uh, ancient Israel was a member of that, uh, a shepherd could very well lose their life at night because they're, they're shepherding this defenseless flock of sheep. Be careful there of the defenseless sheep. And, and there were predators all around. There were bandit, human bandits. There were animals like wolves and lions. Ancient Israel had lions, which is kind of cool when you think about it. And kind of sad they don't live there anymore. But, but on a given night, a, a shepherd could, in fact, be killed by the robbers or by the animals, which w- would have the effect of leaving all those sheep absolutely defenseless for the rest of the night. That, that may be pushing the metaphor a little farther than Jesus intended. I, I don't know for sure. But look what he says in verses 12 and 13, because so much of what he talks about, I am the good shepherd, he's really contrasting himself with himself with bad shepherds. Because remember, he's, he's speaking to the spiritual leaders, the religious elite of Jerusalem. And look what happens in verses 12 and 13. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. And so when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away because he's a chicken. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. And it's Jesus' way of saying, this is like the spiritual authorities you've had, ancient Israel. You've been surrounded by a lot of bad shepherds. And as I think about like motivations for ministry, even today, Some people I assume are motivated for ministry because they like the check and others are motivated for ministry because they love the people and most people, their motivations are sort of mixed, a combination of the two and if anybody ever, anybody ministry ever tells you that their, their motives for being in ministry are perfectly pure, that's a guarantee that they're not but these words in John chapter 10 are only a little bit about pastors and teachers and leaders, and they are a lot a bit about Jesus. And so look, look and see what he says about himself. Uh, again, they're comprehensively about Jesus. Look at verse 14. I am the good shepherd. He says it again. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know, know the Father, what? I lay down my life for the sheep. He says the exact same thing again. I've told a lot of you this before. For others of you, it will be brand new. But the books of the Bible were written in an era way before bold, all caps or italics. And they're written in an era in, in, in which the, the process of writing was backbreaking labor and the expense of writing was bank breakingly expensive. And so, anytime an author goes to the trouble of repeating something like John does here, it's the Bible's neon light. Pay attention to me. This cost me a lot of money. This took a lot of effort. Everything that I'm talking about is right here in in this repetition. And so whatever else this passage is about, it's about Jesus being the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And if you doubt me, look at verses 17 and 18, where it says this. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life. There it is again. Only to take it up again. Verse 18. No one takes it down for me, but I lay it down. There it is again. Of my own accord, I have authority to what? Lay it down and authority to take it up again. Bam, bam, bam. Repetition, repetition, repetition. The good shepherd laying down his life for the sheep. It all relates. It all repeats. And as I look at this marvelous passage, and as I think about the name of our church I can't get away from the the fact that, that who Jesus is, I'm the good shepherd. And what Jesus does, I lay down my life for the sheep, cannot be separated. That his identity as the good shepherd and his activity as the sacrifice could not be more closely connected. And, and when Jesus talks about the, the fact that he lays down his life, he doesn't lay it down randomly. He doesn't lay it down accidentally. It's certainly not taken from him against his will. That's why he talks about his authority. When Jesus talks about himself, this is the great news, people. When Jesus talks about himself, you and you and you are all over the way that he talks about himself. I lay down my life, but I lay down my life for a purpose, for a reason, for the sheep. And I can't get away uh, from, from how infinite and immense it all is. I lay down, I'm the good shepherd. I'm in charge of everything and how intimate it is. I sacrifice for each one. I have authority over everything. And yet I give up my life for each individual. It is immense. It is intimate at exactly the same time. And when you try to wrap your mind around it, first of all, you can't. But when you realize that as the more Jesus talks about himself, the more his self-talk is all about you, not that we deserved it and not that we earned it, but that Jesus chooses it. And the good news today, the good news behind not only the name of our church, but the good news behind this I Am and this Palm Sunday and getting ready for Easter Sunday is that every one of us wandering sheep who's blown it more times than we can count. And sometimes we've blown it in life so many times, we don't even have a purpose or a reason for living. We've lost our zest for life. And we come along and we open up. I am the good shepherd. I laid down my life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. And here's the takeaway for you. You were the reason that he died so that he would be your reason to live. That you were the reason that he died so that every one of us who wrestles with, well, why am I here? And how can I get over And how do I deal with the sadness? And how do I deal with this brokenheartedness? And how do I deal with all the ways I blew my own life up? So that he would be your reason to live. He died for you. So you'd live for him. Because know this, good shepherd, you are died for. Your greatest need in life was not more education It was not more acquisition. It wasn't the next romance. It wasn't and isn't even more self-esteem. Your greatest need in life was to get your sin problem dealt with. And the only way to get that sin problem dealt with, comprehensively, finally, and completely, is Jesus on the cross you are all died for equally. Everyone you meet is someone for whom Jesus died. He didn't die more for the red staters than he did for the blue staters. He didn't die more for the put together than he did the depressed he didn't die more for the immigrant than he did for those born in the United States. Every Everyone you meet is someone for whom Jesus died. He looked at you, and he loved you more than he loved his own life. And that's what a good shepherd we have. You're the reason that he died, so that he would be your reason to live. It's funny. Um, Warren Sapp played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Won a Super Bowl with them. And his his favorite coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was a man named Tony Dungy, who really is an admirable man, admirable guy. And now he works in in, uh, football commentary, I think, on NBC. And and Warren Sapp was talking about how much he loved Tony Dungy. And and he said, "I, I would take a bullet for Tony Dungy as long as it didn't kill me. (laughs) Hey, that's pretty good. I mean, there's a lot of people I wouldn't take a bullet for, even if it knew I wouldn't. I mean, not going to shoot my ankle. But as good as that is, and as great a man as Tony Dungy is, what Jesus did was so much more. He not only took the bullet, he made very sure that it was fatal because he knew that that was the only one that you, only way that you and that I could ever have entrance into glory when our sin problem got dealt with. You're the reason, he took the bullet for you and made sure it was fatal. You're the reason that he died so that he'd be your reason to live. And listen, no, nobody, nobody took this from Jesus when he lays down his life. Nobody took it from him. He gave it willingly. No, Nobody sees his authority, his giving of himself, his sacrifice is the supreme example of his authority. Jesus was not the victim of the, of the cross. He's the victor on the cross. And don't ever forget that. And as the victor on the cross and not the victim of the cross, don't you know? Don't you know that if there had been any other way, any other way, to get your soul right with God, that Jesus would have chosen another, he would have chosen an easier, softer way? Or don't you know that that, that if everybody goes to heaven in, in the end, don't you know that if you ever fall for that sort of lie, that what you would also be believing is that the father played a trick on the son by making him endure the torture of the cross that wasn't ultimately necessary anyway. But none of that is true. It's never been true. It's not true now. There really is one way for you to have your sin problem dealt with, and that is Jesus on the cross. There is one way to get right with God, and that is saying yes to the Savior who so long ago said yes to you, and the blood that he shed Always works. It's fu- funny, a number of years ago, I was in a denominational meeting and they, we were evaluating ministry candidates. Why they let me evaluate ministry candidates, I don't know. But there was, there was this young guy who comes before the little committee. He's kind of a whippersnapper, I guess. And we were talking about what he learned in, in graduate school. And he goes, well, I think, I think we need to rethink our understanding of the atonement. Which is his way of saying we need to minimize what Jesus did on the cross and not talk about his blood anymore. Such baloney. Might have think some other words with an S and a B. You might. Have... <laughs> and 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 it was so funny. Just a couple of days after that interview with that whippersnapper who's spouting out that baloney, I went into an interdenominational meeting and. And the inner denomination a lot of people from all over Charlotte. And what was the very first song we sang? Denominations from all over the city. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And, and what do you, you think had more life? The service where you celebrating the sacrifice or someone who pretends they more enlightened than John and more sophisticated than Jesus. No, no thank you. You're the reason he died, bloody, brutal death, so that he would be your reason to live. And you know why, do you know why you need that reason to live? Is because I know for a fact that there are some of you who've come to church this morning or tuned in this morning and you've lost your reason to live. In fact, some of you got up this morning and you actually had some thoughts of harming yourself. And the reason that you've lost your reason to live is that you feel alone and you feel unloved and you wandered into church hoping that you could finally find a reason to live. And the good news is that your reason found you. And others of you, you have a reason to live. It's just the wrong one. It's the next hit. It's the next romance. It's the next purchase. It's the next accolade. I know that for me, before Jesus, it was the next win in, in sports and tennis, which is really sad because those wins, are you know, they're not guaranteed. And each one means less than the one that came before it. We, we all need a shepherd. We, we, we need the, the shepherd who lays down his life. We need that sacrifice, but we need that shepherd. We need the ongoing work of Jesus because the, the way that Jesus is different from all the shepherds he speaks about in John chapter 10 is that when the, when the carnivore or when the human being, the predator got him, he stayed dead because he had no authority over death. Not, not so with Jesus. Jesus is, is the only one who had authority to undead himself And because Jesus had authority to undead himself, we believe we know that he is still alive, invisible, but very active. Not necessarily tangible, but always invasive. And you need that. And I need that to give us that hope and to give us that purpose when all else was gone. You were the reason that he died so that he would be your reason to live. And as he is your Lord, you will discover, I mean, all that the world promises you, over promises, under delivers. And when you really savor the word, when you understand that's the source of your identity, you will discover, this is such good news, you will discover all the ways that Jesus knows what's best for you better than you do. Did you catch that? Jesus knows what's best for you better than you do. Church names, fine. Geographic names, good. Conceptual names, cool. A biblical name that every time I see it and say it, reminds me that I am the reason he died so that he would be my reason to live. Now that is priceless and we're keeping it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you and you alone have authority to lay down your life and then authority to resurrect it again. And I pray that everyone within the sound of my voice who has wandered through life without a reason or a purpose, you would give them this thrilling realization today that you are their reason to live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.